Hello and welcome to another coaching podcast. Today I'm joined by Mo Jammer on um, what's going to be a podcast about his coaching journey. Uh, for those who have not heard me before, my name is Danny Cook and I am the podcast host. I'm also uh, the Halftime Cuppa owner, so please go and check out our site, www.halftimecuppa.com. Um, so without further ado, let's welcome today's guest, Mo Jammer. Mo, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Danny. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Um I tell you what, Mo. I, I know we 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 had a conversation a little bit before we went on air, um, but I don't know about you. I'm really missing uh, coaching right now. Uh, how how about yourself? Same, really. It's it feels weird not having anything to do outside. Um, so everything has just stopped suddenly. It wasn't it wasn't as we were prepared, and we were slowly stopping sessions. It was more of that's it, done. Everyone just stopped especially when you haven't said goodbye to the team or you haven't set them some sort of a homework or anything like that. Yeah. So I do miss it a lot because I have so many things in my head going through some session plans, things like that. So when we come back, things we could do. So I do miss it a lot. Mm, yeah. And like you say, it's it's, it's weird, really, because we was getting to that point where it starts to get to the climax, the, the nice bit of the season, the, <laughs> the really juicy bit. Yes. Um, and it's no longer there. Like it's just stopped, which is really, really strange. Um, Absolutely. It's it's especially when the team's coming together, you've worked so hard for the beginning of the season, middle of the season. The journey never gets to finish now. It's just more of yeah, it's just that icing on the cake is missing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so how are you keeping yourself busy? Are you doing session plans or anything like that? Um, yes, I am. Um, to be honest with you, the first week that was the hardest part. Um, so the first week I've got my book out, my coaching book, little folder, and I started planning ahead of what we could do when we come back. So I've done a lot of sessions to do with defending, defended numbers, etc. Um, but in the last three days, I'm coming to the realization that we won't restart until about September. So now it's turned, the whole focus is turned to um, next season and in terms of recruitment in terms of what the team would look like, etc. So um, such less session plans this week, a lot more at the beginning of um, last week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, it's something I've been trying to do myself, uh, get, a, get a few session plans uh, digitalized. Um, I feel like an old, old, old granddad, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> putting together some, some drawings on the back of brawny bits of paper um just uploading those uh so yeah yeah i've been I've trying to keep myself busy those. As well. they, they really look good i've seen on the halftime couple uh, website they, they really look good and the last one i read the 21 game oh yeah. gosh i missed that game that i played <laughs> as a kid as well i coached that game a lot and oh it's i saw that and i was thinking i need to be back on the field again <laughs> yeah oh, i agree i agree that one that one as i said um i think rob introduced that one to me um for, okay. from memory um that's a that's a real throwback that one but, uh, let's, let's um let's let's get into your journey then um so where did coaching start for you where where did you first get into the game that was at college um when i finished year 11 at the end of year 11 i was doing the um coaching awards um in terms of high school um leadership awards 
and doing that, trying to assist um, teachers um, who were coaches outside of the school. And then once I started college, um, I did a sports science and sport coaching. And at that time, one of the classes was to do the research. And from then on, it just, it, 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 it wasn't anything that was planned or anything, but doing the research, I loved doing the research. I loved watching video clips of all the coaches. And a couple of my teachers were also coaches um, outside of college. And it's just, they, they didn't so much inspire me, but more of kind of put a taste in my mouth of what coaching can be like, whether it's helping kids, whether it's actually being a teacher and a leader. And then through college, throughout those college years, I've just fell in love with coaching and um, being a leader um, in terms of leading a group. And um, that's that's where it started, really, during college years. Oh, wow. So did, uh, with those coaches that sort of gave you that that first real taste, yeah. did, did they did they give you any leadership roles or was it a case of you just felt as though, yeah, I could do that or, yeah, I could do this better? Um, it was a mixture of both, really. Um, on my first year at college, um, the whole, our whole class, we were given the chance to do the level one um, coaching um, badge. Uh, yeah. And one of the instructors was, was Adrian Creamer, who was actually our main tutor at college. And he also had a football club um, based in Stanmore back then. And after we finished the course, um, within, the, within two days, he asked me if I wanted to do some coaching and then a bit of money. And I said, of course. And the first thing he did Who was... Who doesn't? Yeah, back, especially when you were 16, 17. It was, it was more like, yeah, let's do it. And um, he, he asked me to assist him in one session. And during that session, he just said to me, do you remember what you did at level one? Just do those sessions and see how you feel like. And then from then on, I just fell in love that day, really. And then he started giving me um, a role of actually being a main leader coach and actually putting a session on a different school. So while he was working in the school, he actually would used to send me to a different school and give me a bag of footballs to do the sessions at a different school. So he he was the main one who gave me the first opportunity, really, to do after-school club coaching and also give me the chance to lead myself rather than just be an assistant at the beginning. Just more of threw me in, 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 the, in the main and said, go ahead, you, you've got this and do it. And, you know, initially at that stage where you're an assistant or you're observing... Um, yeah. How how did it feel for you to go from that to then just before you're delivering your first session or your first activity? To be fair, the assistant part was really really easy. I'm I'm sure you know this. It's just it's, um, <laughs> in terms of easy, it is when you've got a good co- a good coach alongside you. So yeah, <laughs> that's true. To be honest, he was he was a great coach. He was at the time also he was the Watford goalie coach as well. Um, so he, he was doing really well. So it was it was nice just to shadow him. But the observing part was really really nice. And his son was a goalkeeper as well, and he would do goal, goalkeeping coaching with him. Um, so no, observing one was really really good for me. I just stood there and picked up the analysis part of the game, um, especially the coaching side of it. And at college, we actually had an analysis course. So I would use the same wow. sessions he did as the actual main assessment um, for my um, for my um, assignments. Um, but moving that from assistant to a main leader, main coach, um, I think the first day was a bit nervous because I was sent to a school and I had to also impress the teachers, the PE teachers that were there, because they were going to assist me. 
So yeah. that was quite nerve wracking at the beginning. But once I started get, get once I started going and explaining um, the session plan, etc., um, it just it's it became a automatic resp automatic responsibility. I think that's I don't know the word for it, but it just it came over something came over me and it was just the session flew. <laughs> everything was going. I didn't have to think twice. It was just after the end of the session where I, I questioned myself. I went, oh, did I do that well? Or did I do this and things like that? So no, it was it was nerve wracking at the beginning, but once the session got going, it was more of it's happening. Things are live. Things are going. So you won't even think twice. It was just it just it just happened. Yeah, chucked in the deep end, and you just had to get on with it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. No, that's <laughs> fair was, enough. Was really, really good experience. It was it was more of don't think too much. Um, you know what you're doing. You know you've lent it. Try and just put it into practice, and that was a good confidence boost, I would say. Good. So you you went on to college and then what? Where did you go from there? So after I think it was three month period of um, doing the after school clubs with um, Adrian Creamer, I've bagged myself a coaching job at London Bafika Academy. Um, I, to this day, I don't know how I got there because I was only level one qualified coach at the time. And everyone Must have else been good. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, must have been good. You must have showed off all your talents there, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I did because I, I actually had a great time and some of the coaches I worked with were absolutely amazing. Um, to this day, I've actually got nothing but great respect for them. And I've, I've seen one of the guys, um, one of the main coaches, Special was his name, um, about a year ago and he actually came down to the Arc Academy and we actually had a nice chat and he was, he was incredible. Um, everyone was a UFB coach and luckily I at the time I tried out to be an assistant coach for the U14 boys they had yeah. and within that almost application part of it um, they asked me of my last role and I told them I was leading sessions and things like that and they asked me what's your favorite part of coaching and because I was so young the first thing came to my head was well I could I could actually do really good exercises good fitness work so they gave me a fitness job, fitness coach for the U14 boys team. And um, it was quite exciting because the main manager was um, this Portuguese guy whose English wasn't the best language for him. And he was quite tough. He was quite strong. He was, he, do what I say. If you don't do it, you're, you, you're out of here. Um, we don't take anyone um, who's got a bit of attitude or anything like that. Yeah. So when I was doing the fitness sessions, anyone who was little bit tired or anything like that I always had his back in and he would always look at them and give them the look of you don't do it you're, you're not going to be here so, no, <laughs> so it, it was it was really good experience and it just meant I could just focus on the actual session and the quality of it rather than me being worried about the um the attitude or things like that but at the same time actually at the time the coach did tell me I was a good motivator and I would give them good incentives doing the fitness drills because normally they wouldn't they wouldn't be so happy about it, even though he was hard on them. So no, yes, yeah. he was really good. So that improved my confidence as well. And within two months of doing um, the fitness coaching, I was actually promoted to the assistant coach for the U18s, which oh, was wow. yeah. quite a surprise as well, because I'm thinking back, I was under 18 at the time as well, and I should have tried out to play for them, really. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah. It was, it's really great experience. And the manager for the U18s was special, the guy I met um, a year ago at the Ac Academy. And he was fantastic coach. He was, he, he focused a lot on technique and athleticism. So he was more of a type of um, player development coach. 
he every training session we had, we used to train two hours on a uh, Monday, two hours on a Wednesday, and one hour on a Thursday, and we would have the Saturday games. And each of those two hours, each one hour of technical practice, whether it's 1v1s, whether it's 2v2s, 3v3s, etc. And you would work on that side of the game of being confident individuals, skillful dribblers, and things like that. And it was really, really good to see just the patience he had with them. And for me, just to stand on the side, and I wasn't assisting him, but I was honestly, was I was in awe. I was most of the time just watching him go, I like this. I like this. I'm enjoying this. So, wow. It sounds like you really picked up a lot um, from your time there then. And, I did. Um, yeah, I, I'd be interested to know how that uh, transfers over to obviously what you what you do next. Um, so where where did you go from from there then? You was so, assistant at under 18s. So after the season finished with London Benfica, um, I've decided to actually um, stop coaching with them because with college life um, and we were having end of the season, um, end of the year um, assessments. Yeah. Um, I took a break for about two months. And that was the July and August time, um, just to just to focus on college um, work. And then after I came back um, from the break I had, I actually applied for Middlesex County um, Association um, to be a football coach for them, um, whether that is the after-school clubs or whether it's the um, sessions they do with local clubs. Um, and luckily, I actually had a um, good response from them and I got the job from them. And I was mentored by Charlotte Edwards, who now works with QPR um, Football Club. Um, again, fantastic coach, fantastic person, and had a great experience um, working at Middlesex FA, both as a football coach and dropping into local clubs, um, doing some um, both coach development and also uh, techniques on how to improve teams that maybe are struggling in terms of recruitment, in terms of coach recruitment, in terms of trying to mix um, different player abilities because as you know most of the teams that are in our areas they're not they're not teams full of the same level of ability everyone has you get a couple of players that are fantastic you get a couple of players that are average and things like that and we would go into local clubs and trying to do um, sessions where you could mix mix both set of groups and they could work well together without um, not challenging either one. So if you make the session too easy, then you're not challenging the good ones. If you're making the session too hard, then you're not really helping the ones that are unable to to achieve this um, level of um, skill that you want them to achieve. Yeah, difficult skill that. Very difficult skill. Absolutely. Um, it was some, one that I think is probably overlooked at times or underrated. Um, but yeah, one that I've... I've had difficulties as well trying to trying to manage the 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 end that you need to develop and then you've got the 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 upper end that you want to challenge at the same time and uh, absolutely it's really hard it's it's not just um for us it's general one for almost every coach whether you're a coach coming up coming through now or whether you're an experienced coach is sometimes at grassroots you don't you don't really have the choice of picking players so once you get all levels of players, all type of players, it's really hard to find a way of challenging all of them. Unless, of course, you have lots of assistant coaches and you can break down the session in 
multiple scenarios and multiple boxes where everyone gets what they need. But most of the times you don't you only get maximum of one or two assistant coaches. So you have to think outside the box, you have to think on your feet on how to make sure within one session everyone can get out of their goal um, without over challenging some and without under challenging some. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 hard, isn't it? It's very very hard to do, but um, nevertheless, a skill that that many coaches, top coaches, possess. Um, so yeah, building building on from that, then your your time, you're you're with your mentor. Um, what Charlotte Edwards? Where did, yeah, yeah. Where did it progress um, from your time with Charlotte Edwards? So I was with her for about four years, and those four years, um, I wasn't with one club. Um, we went to some clubs, and also we did a lot of after-school clubs. And after the first year, we focused a lot on girls' football. And at the time, there weren't really many foot girls' football around this area. Um, there were one or two. Hammersted was still there. Um, but in terms of general level of girls playing sports, uh, football at schools was really, really low. So what we did was, um, I was I went to almost six schools a week to do after school club coaching, but just mainly for girls. And first couple she would shadow me and she would help me, and then the rest it was me for a period of two years. I was going into different schools, uh, making sure girls get consistent level of coaching. At the same time, the progression that once a year ended, the next year they still have coaching clubs to go to or coaching. Um, after school coaching activities to do yeah um, pathway so pathways for them yeah absolutely I guess. yes so how how difficult was that then because you're you're going into you're going into schools there's no i, I guess very limited connections to the, the 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 girls or the women's side of the game yeah um how how difficult that for you it was it was i'm not i'm not gonna lie to you it was really hard especially the first two months i would say um, there was a, there was a school that for the first two months, and I remember going to the school at least once a week. I think I've had a maximum of two girls um, attending the after school clubs. Um, but then that school was called which the school was called Whitchurch um, Whitchurch Primary School, and that's in Stanmore as well, near Cannons Park actually. Um, and it was it was tough. It was Charlotte would work with me as well, and she would say, um, "Let's keep going." Um, we will speak to the teachers, we will speak to the headmasters again, we would email them, um, just trying to get the word out, just girls football happening. But after a few months, it one by one, it nicely increased. I think I remember I had one session, I think we went from two to five, and then we went to seven. And by the end of the year, I think we had 11 girls doing the sessions regularly. And that was the first year. And that was really, really good. And all that because of word of mouth. We were talking to the students, um, not just the students, the teachers, and telling them, pass these leaflets to the parents. And parents, when they come the first time they tried, they were skeptic. But then they realized how much their girls were enjoying it and were having fun. And then from then on, we had 11, ended up 11 in the first year. And then the second okay. year, it just boomed, really. I think I remember one session, I had 22 girls. And I remember oh, wow. calling Craig Nicholson at the time as well and asking him, um, I've got too many players in here. I need <laughs> someone to assist me. And he actually came down one of the sessions and he actually um, helped me out. And um, I remember fun. we were going back to Charlotte and telling how great this was. Brilliant. Absolutely, yeah. And within, I think it was on my third year, that's when Charlotte and the team at the Middlesex FA started the Capital Girls League. And uh, on my first year, seeing that I was really, really good. On, sorry, on the third year, 
but yeah. also um, my first year of seeing um, league organised girls football within Northwest London, and that was Chase Lodge at the time. Um, it was really, really good. It was you would have teams from U8 all the way to U13 competing there on a Saturday morning, and that was really impressive. And the work the Middlesex FA did on those years with the schools, with local clubs, asking clubs um, they will help you with funding and telling them that if you want to get 3G pitches, they will also help you with the funding um, on how to pay for their um, pitches and you would get grants and things like that. And the grant, the next grant they made was every girls team you start, you get a at least £1,000 to start up that team and help you with their kids, their training sessions, etc. So that was right. really good. Mm -hmm. And being part of that as well, being around it, um, it was fantastic. Um, I've learned a lot really on how to build teams at, um, back then as well. And also how to sustain players year after year and things like that. It was, it was great experience. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And on my fourth year, I think I yeah. took a break a few months before um, Charlotte gave me a call actually and asked me this, this man here called Juliano. Um, he wants to start a local football girls club. Uh, mixture with boys and it's about two minutes from your house um could you give him an assistant he asked me if i could find some good coaches and that's how i met Yul. that's that's how nicely led to kinja oh fantastic <laughs> so yeah that's 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 incredible so we we now we've seen the the sort of journey towards obviously the club you're now at kinja um yeah. but yeah that's that's incredible so before that you've you've seen um you've you've kind of got a foundation of seeing how a club can be set up yeah how i mean you're looking at obviously going all the way back to your assisting days as well seeing obviously how sessions are run uh, learning that uh, learning a different aspect in terms of fitness as well um seeing the girl side and growing that um so you you really had a a fantastic foundation then uh, prior to coming into kinja I did, and to be honest with you, I'm one of the lucky people that I've actually worked, looking back now, I've worked with some great people growing up um, through the age of 16 to 21. I think the people around me were incredible. Um, I think someone like Charlotte Edwards, someone like Craig Nicholson as well, um, Spesh, um, Bruno. So, uh, there were some fantastic coaches, Adrian Creamer. Yeah, it's, looking back, that was some. I've had some great leaders around me, to be honest with you. <laughs> So yeah. now, now I know where I get some of my good qualities, I see. <laughs> <laughs> now we know where they come from. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us nicely on to the, the Kinja days then. So um, you meet up with you all, and then what happens? Well, we had a great conversation on the first day. It was, it, was, it was really nice to meet him because he was so positive and so enthusiastic. And at the time, he had one team, a girls team. Um, you remember, I think they were called the Rockets. Sorry, yeah. I, I, they were called the Rockets. I think you may remember. Yeah, I, th I um, think so. Brilliant. So they were coming to the end of the U11 season, and that was the team he had. And first conversation we had, he just sat down with me and he said he wants to build a club in here where we have almost an age group for every age group that's available for both girls and boys. He said we wanted to start from all the way U9s and end up all the way to U16s. And hopefully one day we'll have adult teams for both ladies and men's. Um, but his main challenge for me was I've had more experience within this area of the um, of London. I've worked with lots of different clubs. Um, I know some of the coaches and worked with a lot of schools. Can we get into those and work with the FA and Charlotte and bring as many players as we can? And I said yes. The first thing was I 
challenge accepted. It was really good challenge. It was first time working at a club, but the main challenge is I have to be in charge of the recruitment for once, and I have to also be in charge of um, getting the word out and start um, advertising the um, the club really. Um, so it was it was it was a nice challenge, which I really liked. And to be honest with you, the first two months were the easiest two months of all time um, for anyone starting a club. <laughs> Because I, don't think, because I don't think you could ever recruit as many players as we did in those two months. We went from having one team to having five teams within the period of May 2012 till September 2012. And that wow. was just incredible. That was, I've never seen, I don't you, think. You must, other... you must not have slept. You must not have slept. You and your, you must not have slept. You must have kept working all night <laughs> well, to, to get period, all these players in. Yeah, no, it was a honeymoon so. period. You just enjoy it, don't you? You just, you're, it's something new, something exciting. And because at the time as well, with the loads of people I worked with, I've never asked them for help or favors. So everyone I asked for, um, every time I called someone, they would pick up the phone. Every time I asked them, but, um, I need this, can you get the word out, etc. It was the first time of asking. So everyone was so happy and so glad to do it as well. So that was really, that was, that was a lot of, help that I needed that came easily that wouldn't normally come because it was the first time you asked someone so no it was it was really good so I went back to all the schools that I coached over the previous years and we've recruited so many players our first team I had was the U9 U10 boys and I think I had 12 boys in that team and I think 10 of them were from two schools I've coached previously and all I had to do was speak just to the teacher I got to know well with and I him, these yeah. are the leaflets, can you, and the parents I've also met, and I told them, these players I'm coaching, now I've got you um, a club. Previously, I struggled to find them, cl- to find clubs for them that, that were suitable for them, because every club they tried out for was, they were going in, going in as individuals, and some would get rejected, some would get accepted, but they didn't have their friends with them, so they mm, wouldn't enjoy it. They wanted well. to go with a group, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. So that was also a good um, helping hand, and I think the first player recruited was Kamal, um, God, how long ago was that? He was such a young kid at the time. He was nine, <laughs> eight, and eight. First time I coached him was seven. Um, when I recruited him for Kinder, he was nine. Yeah, he was nine years old. And um, spoke with his mom and told him there are a couple other players that he would play with, but I don't, I don't remember speaking to the parents or I can't get hold of them or don't have a way to get hold of them. Can you pass on the information to them? And she simply returned and said, "When do you want them?" And said, "Well, we're going to train these days." And they were there the next um, couple of days. So wow. that was really, really good. And then in terms of the girls' side, it was similar to the boys. It was speak to the school, speak with Charlotte, try and make few calls and say, can you get these leaflets, these adverts um, out to the um, community? And they did. And we used Brent Council at the time as well, who also um, helped us in terms of um, getting the word out on their website, um, putting the, on the section of activities and exercises in parks and recreations. And it was really, really good. We have, we've just had so many people to recruit. It was just, it was fantastic. And then Yul, because he was working with um, ASL at the time as well, has had a list from all the players that took part in the um, ASL football seasons, um, both girls and boys. And he just divided into two and said, here, make these calls and I'll make these calls. <laughs> and we actually got a U14 boys out of it and a U11 mixture of U11 girls and U12 girls as well. Um, from those calls and then we had the 11 boys from those calls as well who mainly they were Americans as well so now it was it was five months of just 
which is crazy. And it wasn't just me and Yo, it was Coach Saj, who at the time was working at Kindra, and Corey, who yeah. were also involved a lot as well and also helped with recruitment. Um, so they have had a big part to play as well. And it was really, it was a dream, really. It was, it was fantastic. And we ended up with five teams. Was it five or six? No, we recruited five teams with one team already there. So, yeah. So, that season we started with six teams from starting with one in May. So, yeah, it's it's great time. <laughs> great return. Great return on, on all that, I guess, emotional and uh, time investment as well, uh, trying to get everything all set up. Um, that's brilliant. So, okay, the club's now set up. You've got your first team at the club. What ha- What happened from there? So the first thing happened was um, we had the team meeting, um, the coaches meeting. Um, that was the first thing we did when, when it was the end of August, just about the beginning of September. And we were talking about who's going to coach which. And when that's decided, which who is going to coach which team, um, we sat down all to discuss philosophy. Um, before Just the, sorry, actually, uh, just want to jump in. Just yeah. at that point where you, you're deciding who's with which team, is that a yeah. case of... Um, the coaches coming in and saying, I want to work with this team because this, or was it a case of, I think you're best suited with this team? Like how, how did that process happen? It's quite funny. It wasn't, it, it, I can't remember that much, but I don't think anyone at the time said, I want to coach a certain team. Um, yeah. I think it came down to the end about in the recruitment. When we were doing the recruitment, you already had his girls team. So mm-hmm. we knew he was going to coach that team anyway. Um, when he came to Sarge, me and Corey, I think because my love for coaching the younger ones, um, I think I was already down, my name was already down with the youngest team, whichever that would be, um, without me saying I wanted to or someone else saying you should. Yeah. Uh, and I I think Sarge that year, I think he coached the U14 girls that was new together. And I think that was... Dari started as assisting Yul over the summertime when the team was coming together. And then because Yul was coaching the same time and the same match day, they had the same time on times of match days, they were playing the same league, even though two different age groups. I think Saj just dropped into that one because he was already the coach they knew. So there was no nothing behind it in terms of you should coach that or I want to coach this. And I think Corey at the time chose the youth their team boys, but I don't think he chose it either. It was more of most got the U10 boys, most got the U11 girls, and most got the U12 um, other boys that are coming up. So Corey had to try and assist one and coach one. So all of us had this thing where we would assist one coach and we yeah. would manage one team. So I can't remember anyone specifically choosing a team. It was more of things just fell into places during the recruitment, during the summer training sessions. It was more of... This, if, if it's not broken, just don't fix it. Um, Saj is already assisting that team. He can take over. Mo's already put this team together in two weeks. He's already done the training sessions. Let him have it. Corey's already doing this team. He's done the summer coaching sessions when the players were recruiting. So it was, it was more like that. It was, in, it was quite a simple process as well because we got on so well, all of us. And we already had conversations yeah. on a weekly basis. It, it was There was not much choices to make, really. Okay, brilliant. So um, that sounded pretty pretty sorted in terms of how uh how the teams were allocated it seemed pretty straightforward in that case then yeah it's the season after where the choices came <laughs> we, we, you were coming we were coming to it but we grew we doubled in numbers so 
yeah, there were big decisions to make the season after. <laughs> so anyway, you 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 found out uh, what team you or teams you're going to be working with. Yeah. What happened from there? So everyone had had their team by the end of that conversation, and the next step was um, the philosophy, the one the club philosophy, um, the style of play, and also our code of conduct. Our so we had to come up with pretty much a full club details on, on that day um, because we were such a new club the first thing we focused on was just the recruitment because we needed players at the time but now we've got everything set up we had nothing else in place in terms of code of conduct um, we didn't have anything in place in terms of the even the welfare officer we didn't we had welfare officer qualified which you was and such was but we didn't have anything in place for them to be to act on um, we didn't have any um, fixture, fixture secretary. We didn't have a secretary. We, so all of those roles we had to discuss and we had to come up with it in, on, on that day, really. So you yeah. took the lead in terms of the club philosophy and he said, this is what I want my club to be, um, which is brilliant with some philosophy we, we all liked. And then Sash took, the, um, took charge of coming up with the playing philosophy within the club philosophy. So all this does on the website, it's Sash who drafted and Wrote word for word. Um, oh wow! Yeah, check, the time. check him out. <laughs> yeah, it's, fair it's, play to him. Absolutely, no, he was he was pretty. He took great notes on the on that meeting, and um, he did all of this. Uh, my challenge was to come up with the um, code of conduct. So I wrote this twenty-page code of conduct. I believe we still use it as well. <laughs> um, I think year after year on, I think we took some out and refined it. But at the time, it was we need a code of conduct, so we had that as well. Then the recruitment papers and medical notes and things like that, you'll yeah. have to be the welfare officer as well. And we had to put in place where the, um, parents, coaches, and also um, players um, could contact if, if they needed in terms of their welfare um, and well-being. Then the fixer secretary um, fell on me and you, um, me on the boy's side and you on the girl's side. And then the next step we had to decide was the actual club positions. And I think that time I became the head of U13 and below development. And then you all became the head of U13 and above development in terms of in charge. So anyone older than U13, yeah. you would go to you. Anyone under 13, you would go to Mo. And then from then on, I think Corey also took part of the welfare. Um, also, a um, few other roles. I can't remember. Everything is on the website now. Um, but in terms of as a committee as well. We had to have a committee leader, um, which at the time was Leonie, Leonie Hansen, who had daughter used to play for Yule's team, but was a great um, lady who would who knows a lot about football. She did her level one and she would assist us at the club in terms of the secretary for the girls side as well when we had to go to the team meetings, if none of us couldn't make it. Um, so, yeah, so we had to come up with all of those put things in place where we are as professional as possible that if anyone needs to get in touch with anybody, there's the line of things to go through. We had the, I set up the Facebook page, Corey set up the Twitter page, and what else? Um, so, wow, it's a long time ago. I should have taken some <laughs> notes back then. <laughs> but in a nutshell, um, we pretty much had to set up the club in terms of how we would look on paper because yeah. we had it down in practical, but we didn't think of this while we were focusing on the recruitment side. So now everything was in place. We needed to put this in place where anyone who wants to try out, they could go to the website. This coach will pick up the um, 
the inquiry and then we would deal with it etc etc so yeah, yeah. That, that process yeah i follow good okay so um assuming now you've got it all in place the club you maybe fast forward a little bit the club is up and running yeah. um, how does that first season go for you as a coach for me as a coach it actually couldn't go couldn't go any better um because the way the season started everyone is excited everyone is enthusiastic and my challenge was to make sure by the end of the season they're as happy as they are right now if not happier um so the first few months of the season it was all about making the team come together make the team work well together so it wasn't just one i I had three teams at that time um two to coach and one to assist the youth 13 boys um so in terms of actual teams my challenge was quite simple. You 10 boys are quite young. Make sure they love football. Make sure I develop them. Uh, make sure the sessions are fun. Make sure the parents are engaged. Speak to the parents as much as I can. Have the team meetings with the parents. The beginning of the season team meeting was quite simple. Our first season together. Let's have some fun. Let's keep the boys smiling. Win or lose, you keep cheering on the sidelines. Um, you don't give them instructions. You enjoy the games. They will enjoy even more and keep encouraging them. So the season started, we played, I think, pre-season friendly matches at Regents Park, which was quite nice confidence boost because that level was not as strong as the Harrow Youth League we were taking part. So the boys had a couple of wins under their belt and it was quite a nice, nice, strong feeling for them. So they were already motivated and enthusiastic, but those wins made them even invisible, really. (laughs) And then when Harrow Youth League season started, Looking back, we might have played a couple of divisions higher than we should have, but it started in a crazy way. I think the first game we drew 5-5. It was just incredible. (laughs) And we didn't have a goalkeeper. I remember we would swap every 10 minutes, we would swap goalkeepers at the time as well because we didn't have a natural goalkeeper. Um, So it was really fun. But the parents loved it. The kids loved it. It was quite fun. Um, First couple of matches, I think, we won a couple, we lost one, or we drew a couple. It was like that. So it wasn't, we didn't start badly and we didn't start amazingly. But in terms of playing wise, it was amazing. It was, everyone was enjoying it. There was loads of goals. I think we lost one game 9 6, another game we won 11 7. It was, it was just incredible. It was just, it was all out of attack and no one cared. I love no those score. I love those score lines. They're fantastic. <laughs> I know, especially 11-7 or something like that. That's incredible. It is, honestly. And that's why I said it could not go any better because if we lost games 1-0, 2-0, things like that, it would have been it would have been exci- as exciting. But going through the emotions of the game, oh you're four one up, you're five four down, oh you're seven six up now. Oh, it's it's exciting, it's incredible. So by the end of the game, even though you lost 11-7 or you won 11-7, nobody, I don't think, cares at that age, at 9, 10-year-olds. It's just more of the emotions you went through the game. I think the boys did, because you would see them come out disappointed for losing the game. But in terms of as a coach and the parents, we all loved it. We were like, this is exciting. We've seen some amazing goals. Who would ever thought a 9-year-old could bend the ball from 30 yards? It was just... And that, that boy was come out back then. So... <laughs> yeah, it was it was really exciting, and the girls also did really really well. Played the Capital Girls League, and I think their first season, I think we finished second in the league, so that was exciting. The boys finished third in their first season, the Harrow Youth League first phase, and then we had that Christmas party, uh, which was really really good. We had it at Weatherspoons back then. Oh wow! Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> <and> parents, <laughs> like the Weatherspoons. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
it, it doesn't exist anymore, does it? <laughs> well, Weatherspoons. Weatherspoons yeah. does. Oh, no, sorry. I meant the one in Finchley. The one in Finchley Road. <laughs> that one. I think it's something else now um, where it used to be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Maybe they changed location or something. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, the, the chain exists. Sorry, I'm, I don't mean the chain. I'm, I mean the actual um, the, restaurant. The, the yeah. pub. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. follow. So was that was that boys team the original Saints team? They were, but we had a mix of U nine, U ten, and the next mm-hmm. season coming up, um, we had to split them to um, to the team that you actually have now as U seventeens. Which yep. is the original U9 team that started as U17s now. The other team would have been U18s by now. Oh wow! So yeah, so that team is the original first ever boys team we had. Is that U9 boys team who played as the U10s back then? Um, so yeah, so no, it was really exciting times. Everyone loved it. That season was brilliant because even the girls, like the older boys as well, I think they finished about fifth or sixth in the league. But again, it was their first season together and everyone was on board. They loved the football they played. They tried to see the ideas, the philosophy coming together um, and the teams working well together. And when you have such a team full of friends, it made the whole atmosphere so much better as well. Um, it, didn't need, it didn't need to do anything extra to make people come together. When you had a group of five, their friends, group of five together and you make them work well together as a team, then it was just exciting to see. And... When they lose a the game, it was more of the other team was better. Um, the other team deserved their win, so nothing else you can say, really. So it was exciting. It was very good. Good. So uh, I guess now we'll, we'll skip forward a, maybe a couple of years. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and move on to a stage a little bit closer to where we are now then. So yes. maybe second season, third season in. What, what What's happened? Give us a whistle-stop tour. What's happened since then? So the second season went even better than the first season. So we managed to make get up to, oh my goodness, I think it was 16 teams. And in those 16 teams, I was in charge of eight of them. Um, so I know it was, it was exciting times. To be honest with you, I couldn't complain because it meant Monday to Sunday I had coaching to do and it was brilliant. And I would have four games on a Saturday morning and four games on a Sunday morning. So it's quite exciting. Um, so we got up to 16 teams on the second season and we consolidated that for the third season, which was fantastic. And then by fourth season, um, we lost a couple of the oldest teams. Some of the boys team that were going to U16, U17, um, some of them focused on schoolwork, some of them focused on college and some of the American boys focused on getting ready for universities. And then same as the girls side of the oldest teams. So it meant we lost a couple of, couple of the oldest teams, but at the same time, I think we recruited the one or two younger teams to try and keep up, um, to make sure we always recycle and we still have players coming through and we still have teams coming through, even if the older ones we cannot sustain, um, if we cannot keep them at the club. Um, so we had, I think, 14 teams by the end of, third, of the third season, fourth, beginning of fourth season. Um, those seasons were a mixture for all clubs. Um, some teams were fantastic winning their leagues. Some teams were not maybe as great. Some, I think, got relegated as well. But in terms of as a club, it's still the um, the ethos was there. The philosophy was there. The togetherness was there. Um, everyone was enjoying it. But I think this time we had Prane and Rob as well in the club. And 
on that fourth season, I think Rob was my assistant coach for the U12 Saints. No, no, that was the third season. I think the fourth season, Rob and Craig had their own team um, called the Jets yeah. team. The Jets, yeah. which I believe a year later, you and Harry joined, haven't you? Yeah, I think so. I think think by right. that point. Um... By that point, yeah. Because I had, at the time, I had the U12 boys that were going into U13s. And that season, we skipped and played as a U14 Saints, uh, where you worked with me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that coming to that season, we, the club was losing um, its... I would say their best players to clubs around us that were becoming semi-pros, such as AFC Wembley, so mm-hmm. especially the boys' side. So we were struggling in terms of actual um, sustaining the good level of players um, and the qualities within our club um, because the clubs around us also were sniffing around our players because some of them go to the same schools with the other players that play for those. And then they look at them and realise, oh, you you, you're not really that stronger than I am. I'm actually maybe better than you, etc. And then they would think and go, oh, that team is a semi-pro. I think I'll, I could play for them. So we struggled for that for our fourth and fifth seasons. Um, but when you joined as well, we had we still had a good core of players. We, we still had strong level of players in almost every team. And that season was really good. Um, not so much the team I had, the U14 Saints, started really, really well. As you may remember, you were with me that season. <laughs> Um, but throughout the season, we had loads of hiccups um, to the point where we struggled to have 11 players on some match days as well. Um, so numbers became tougher, really, I would say. Um, but also it was coming to the end of Yule's tenure. And so the focus of recruitment might not have been as great as it was from all of us in the first couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, just I just want to revisit a point quickly. Um, yeah. You obviously said about the, the struggle in terms of trying to keep hold of players when you've got other clubs that have got uh, sort of the semi-pro status or you know, that that kind of um, lucrative offer for <laughs> yes for these players. Was it was it more of a struggle with the players or the parents? I I think it was. Just- I would say a mixture of both um, because you can never really blame the kid. Um, it's usually the parents that tend their heads because they will say, well, my friend's son plays for this team and my son is better. So that's where it's, the whole idea comes from most of the times. But then you look at the boys and you think they will realize what's good for them. Um, sometimes playing with your friends and doing really, really well can get you a long way rather than going to a team with the name might be fancy you might not settle in as well as you wanted to you might not do as well although we do wish them all the best and we're happy to see them go up a level but the teams they would join normally would be the teams that we play against the next sunday so that was quite tough and it would normally come i would say from the parents because they turn the kids head and the more things they hear from the parents the most likely that's what turns them so if they hear positive things parents saying oh the coach is great the team is doing great the kids are having they have the effect on the kids being enthusiastic and enjoying the playing with the team. But the more negative points that come out of the parents, such as, oh, but my son is better than this kid who's playing for this team, etc., etc., or my son could do better, or things like that, then it gets to the kids' heads. And that affects them in terms of training as well. They will come to you and tell you, I want to try it for this other team. So, yeah, so it does, it's a bit of both, but mainly I'll say it's the parents that turn the boys' heads. Yeah, that does surprise me. Um, 
in terms of in the last so two now, years yourself as well. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, in terms of right now, then, uh, or yeah. not right now, the stage of where we stopped at, which was I've just come into the club, or Harry, I think Harry was was in before me, probably by a good couple of months anyway. Um, talk to us about what happened from there. So obviously we've delved a little bit into that season. Um, yeah. How, how did that end up? So you joined actually at the end of the um, the season previously before we started together in the U14 team. Yeah, um, it was about April. I think it was about April, March, something yes, around that. Absolutely, yes. Um, I do remember this because you actually came to watch some of the U12 boys matches. Yeah. Um, and that great team we had, I think you might remember Paddy and Yanis, etc. That those boys. Great team. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So that was that. Oh, I, I do miss that team. So we had a really, really good U12 boys team. I think we were Division One or Division Two, was it in the um, Harrow Youth League? And they were doing really, really well. Um, we had, I think, about 18 players for that team. All of them technically fantastic, attitude, commitment, everything was great about them. But unfortunately, I think it was six of those boys were leaving the country by the end of the season. And that's when he joined. I think some of them already left. So I remember Yanis yeah. was the first one to leave, um, yeah. go back to France. Yeah, so um, so we, we didn't struggle in terms of a season, but we struggled in the last couple of matches because we struggled for players, especially when the international schools finished earlier than the British schools. And they started going on holidays and getting ready to move. And we just were left with about I think it was eight or nine players for most of the last four or five matches but it's still they were the boys were great they were enthusiastic they loved it and you loved it I remember as well you did some sessions and you came to me and loving it saying oh these boys are great to coach so now you, as a season it was a successful season and most of the Kinjo teams actually did have a successful season as well because I remember I had the U11 girls who are now my U15s I'm not sure were you 11s or U12s I think we might have been new 11s for playing the half of the league. And I remember we won the league that year. So it was really, really good as well. Um, so mm-hmm. everyone was, I was happy. I was over the moon as a coach. The boys did really well, progressed fantastically well, came to a level that I did not imagine they would come up to. And seeing them from the age of nine to 12, 13, 14, playing this way and individually capable of doing special things, it was really, really good for me. So... No, it's fantastic. And then you joined and that season's finished. And then the next season we had this, well, it wasn't, we, it was, it wasn't just me and you. It was we as a coach, Corey, coach Rob, coach Craig, Yule, yeah. Prane, um, yourself, myself, all involved in trying to do a mass tryout for about two to three teams and to make sure um, everyone has a fair trial in making a team of the boys um i think we had about 40 to 45 players trying to um try out for two or three teams yeah it was massive uh, it was, <laughs> it was yeah. massive <laughs> it was i i don't think i've done trials all of all of coming up to that year in different for different circumstances for different teams for different reasons i've never done it for this reason i've never done it that way in my life so that was quite interesting for me <laughs> So, um, but it was it was good learning curve. It was good to see how other coaches also put their um, ideas forward and in terms of the tryouts, um, the trials, and how when you put loads of people in one room, 
and you ask them to come up with one set of idea how sometimes it could not work because yeah. unfortunately those trials did not really work for I think I would say for any of the teams that we made at the time because as you may remember some were unhappy not having their friends in certain teams so which also meant we were forced to have some players into some specific teams even if they didn't want to be or if they wanted to be a certain team they couldn't be because of the trial went this way or went that way but all in all the trial com- completed and everyone had a team that was the good news apart from maybe few players who didn't who ended up not wanting to stay in the team in the teams um so the next season started and we i think we started really really well i remember this game very well because you have one player in your team now who's who's impressed me in that game um you may remember noah yeah uh, and we played pin stars i think it was at home and he was playing against us and he actually ran the show in the first half for the other team um even though they didn't have majority of the game we had majority of the game and we kept missing our chances and, and that game we ended up winning 5-1 i believe um almost five different goal scorers and loads of different assists and it was really really good um so the season started really well we were enjoying it um and then this thing happened where we had to do the sessions in two separate places um one at the hive and one at the arc um which some of the boys struggled to cope with the change um especially some of the boys that couldn't attend the hive sessions um which also meant the team wasn't all training together at the same base pace so from starting really well to having these little issues it meant we didn't have a successful season as we wanted to and then as the season went on we had some players that have left um for one way or another reason um even myself i although i enjoyed coaching the boys and enjoyed that year overall that season it was my last season coaching a boys team and that was 20 was it 2016 if i oh, remember no, it. um 17 it may have been may have been 2016 you know it may have been 2016 20 yeah as in i think 2015-16 season um okay i think yeah so that was actually yeah, the last time i coached a boys team in terms of kindra um would you is, would you would you ever go back would you ever do a boys team again absolutely well to be fair there was also um other reasons as well it wasn't the coaching reason it was yeah. because i was i was working full time as well i'm still working full time So um I know so coming from I couldn't commit to coming straight from work on some certain training session days um to come back on time to the um training session so if you may remember at the end of the season I didn't attend as many Wednesday training sessions so yeah, the, the the ones at the hive yeah yes yeah which was a bit yeah. further away coming from um work so it meant I would miss almost 90 minutes of the practice out of 2 hour session so um so it wasn't because I didn't want to coach boys it was simply because the boys also needed a new face that season because when you have a training session where you'll have some some players not attending in one session and then the other session they will attend but some other boys when attending the other session it just it, it didn't work as well as we wanted to and also me coming late to some sessions on this sessions at the high pool so i don't think it helped but having said that as a season it was successful in terms of actually myself enjoying working with you and coaching the boys because the majority of the boys that I stayed I think enjoyed it um, considering coming to the um 
to the um, event we had at the um, yeah. Jimmy's, Jimmy's. The social, yeah. The yeah. social, that's the one. I remember that. Mm. Yeah, so as a season, as because the boys were a great group of boys and we've, I've coached them throughout the years as well, and they were very respectful. Um, those were the ones I stayed to so the most, the Rezes, the um, um, Leon, for example, um, who's still here, which is fantastic to see. Um, Kalevis as well, who's that was his first season, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, so it was it was a lot of lots of positives and one or two minor negatives that didn't help our season um, in terms of the numbers. Um, but yeah, it was overall. I would definitely go back to coaching boys. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it. I have no hesitation in going back to coaching boys. Good. Okay. So um, moving on then, you you're now next season. You've now got the girls, and your focus is the girls. What happens from there then? So it was. So the season, I think we had a preseason that season, which was quite actually nice because we normally with my girls team, we normally don't get that. Um, because they're most of them international students, so they will come. We almost never have a training session um, until the actual first game comes up. Um, so I think we had a week of preseason, which was quite nice because we went to Paddington Rec as well to do a bit of finish training. Um, so that season was probably our best season um, in terms of the girls' team since we've won the second the season after. Um, we had this team called Tottenham, as you may know. I'm calling them this team, you know. <laughs> Because um, we've had loads of seasons where we played uh, professional ladies teams in our leagues, which sometimes seems quite unfair when you do so when you when you do so well against them, but they're still having to win the league. But no, the girls had a fantastic season. Training sessions also were better because the girls were getting older, and we didn't have to focus on one simple thing. It was get, challenge them. They would come into U13s. As the U13s, they were also their curve was much higher than I predicted before. As they were getting bigger and stronger and faster, their technical abilities were great, because which is which is what we focused at the beginning. So U9, U10, U11, it was technical practice, technical practice. And by the time they get U13s, you've had these strong, fast girls who had technical abilities as well. So it was really, really good. Um, so they had a great season. We finished second behind Tottenham, um, but ahead of Watford and ahead of um, Pro Direct Academy and Rise of Rangers, who are all strong teams, um, including Harvesters as well, who are also a strong team. Um, so, yeah, it was a fantastic season. The girls enjoyed that season as U13s. And we we took part in the summer tournaments, which we've all done throughout the years. Incredibly, we have some, some record to beat. Every year, the girls' team have won at least two, two tournaments out of the five or six that we take part so no, it's it was a great season to finish the season after the boys, um, but it, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Good, good. And then what what does that bring you up to? That this season, to last or, season or last season? season? Yes. Yeah, so we're we're almost there. Yeah, got it. Yeah. So last season, what what happened? So Talk last season, um, um, well. So it was again. It was just the girls' team I was coaching. So I've now gone down to just the one team for the last two years, two and a half years. So from uh, eight to one. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 quite a trajectory, isn't it? <laughs> um, but no, it's it's it last season wasn't a great season for us as the U14 girls' team. Um, this year we're U15, so last year U14s. Um, we didn't start the season well. Um, 
in terms of also recruitment. Um, what we doing so well last season meant that our our level we only could only attract players of a certain level. And during the team meetings um, with the parents, I realized the parents were not going to like having just players that were part of the team who might not have been the same level as the girls that we have. So already we were on the back foot in the first meeting of the season because the parents are expecting you to win the league. Yeah. done so well. They, they look such a great players, even though those other academies have got good players. We look better yeah. than them. So overall, the actual team of, I think we had 14 girls, going to 11-a-side football for the first time. We needed at least a couple more players. And knowing we have international international players, we weren't going to fulfill all the fixtures. And two, we, they were going to be away for some certain holidays that the league won't, won't give you those early days. So on those meetings, we discuss we might not find the players that you think we can. We need to start looking at younger players that are already in the club so we can push them up so they can be part of the team. And that's how we kept some of the younger girls who who were playing for a younger team in Kindra, who came up to the um, Hailstorms last season. So you got, you got the youth 13 girls playing up as U14s last year. I think we had yeah. six of them. So yeah, so we had six of them. Um, unfortunately, not everyone was happy about it. I was happy because it meant we had numbers for matches. Yeah, of course. The girls themselves <laughs> were, yes. Yeah, the girls themselves were happy as well, especially the British girls who um, who have who doesn't who don't have as many holidays because we didn't have to play some matches with seven girls, but that meant the quality of our play dropped a lot when the other stronger players weren't available to play the matches, and I think there was a record we had last year where we played six games in a row, where if it wasn't for the younger girls, I don't think we would have had six girls of the older girls of the actual age group. So that showed, that proved why we needed to recruit numbers, regardless of ability. Um, but unfortunately, as it turned out, in the terms of the season, we didn't, we couldn't sustain our standards, mainly because the players that were coming up were not the same physicality level as the older girls. So you would have a 12-year-old turning 13 playing against the 14-year-old of Spurs, who's almost 5 foot 10. While the 12 year, 12 year old in your team is almost four foot tall. So they struggled physicality wise, technique, nothing wrong with them. They had brilliant technique, they had fantastic ability as well. It's just it was level higher than them. So as a season, it didn't work, unfortunately. Um, in terms of the table as well, it didn't work. I think we finished fifth. We, unfortunately, we, we ended up in this league where we only had six teams um, last year. Um, because most of the other teams didn't want to be part of this division because the amount of academies that were in it. So it was us and Rise of Rangers who were the only two non-academy teams that were in the division. So we finished third from bottom. Um, so we finished fourth, second from bottom, sorry, fourth, fifth, sixth, third from bottom. My math is not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's so very... still, still res- respectable finish, isn't it, really, because of yes. the standard of the competition. Um, the number of teams as well, yes. as you allude to. Yeah, so. playing four times against each other this throughout the season. <laughs> play four times against Watford, play four times against Tottenham, play four times Pro Direct, play four times against um, Chrysler. It was, it was just incredible. Was, there were loads of games, but it, it was, yeah, so, but we struggled. Um, having, even having said that, we managed to get to the League Cup final 
um, which we narrowly lost to Watford um, in the end. Um, it was 2-2, I think it was until the last two minutes of the game where we conceded the third goal. We lost 3-2. Um, but throughout the season, we stayed competitive, even when we played with players down. I remember one game at Watford. We were 3-0 down at half time. Um, I think we only had 11 for that game, and we drew 3-3. So he was really, really good. It was, it was fantastic. So in terms of staying competitive, we were we weren't out of place. It's just the numbers available for games we struggled with, and the players that were coming up just unfortunately couldn't cope with the physicality and the speed of the game, having not played eleven aside before, and jumped from some of them seven aside to eleven aside without playing nine aside. So that was quite a difficult jump for them as well. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, I, <laughs> as you know, I <laughs> I know full well how uh, how how hard it can be when you don't have the numbers or when you are struggling for numbers. Um, but just revisiting that cup final, yes. Uh, what what was the, you know, uh, obviously you conceded that late goal. Yes. Um, how was the the team talk afterwards, and uh, and what was the reaction like amongst the girls? To be honest, the, the, the team talk after the game was easier than it would have been if it was a normal game. Um, I say this as a normal game because I'm not sure if you remember, Faustina, our left winger, broke her um, collarbone in the first 10 minutes of the game, um, where it should have been a penalty, really, because she got taken out. So we had so many things against us. We had Sophie, who was injured. Um, we had Sesmi, who also was injured, but still had to play through the final. And then we had that player who broke her collarbone um, during the game. Um, so we had loads of things that happened against, against us during the game, which meant the team talk at halftime was quite simple. It was give it your best shot. We, we will, we're not going to come out this game feeling down for, um, feeling sad for ourselves. We're going to come out going, we gave it all, we lost or we won. Um, so the girls gave all of they could in the second half. And the end of the game, it was quite nice, actually. They were all upbeat. And their responses most of the time was, we lost 3-2 to this team who never coached their own players. They're always picking up their players from other teams. They're poaching the best players from other teams. <laughs> so my team took at the end of the game. I plan to say hard luck girls, great effort. I didn't need to say anything. They were all, it was self-explanatory. Because we played toe-to-toe with the other team. They didn't outplay us and we didn't outplay them. It was it was 50-50 game. Yeah. Uh, um, they had so many subs to make use of. I, I didn't, I don't think I don't think I had one sub. I had two subs to start the game, but because one mm. of the players was injured, taken to hospital, I ended up with having one sub. So we, there was yeah. loads of things that happened against us. So it was it was easier than I expected, but it was great feeling um, in terms of when you lose a game, big game. I wanted to feel like that, not other way around, and feel so sad. Mm. Yeah, I, I remember the because um, obviously I, I came to watch the game and I remember the second half like whatever you said at half time, they came out second half and um, they put on a completely different performance really um, from memory. Um, they so, they, they yeah, didn't that, let at all. No, they they didn't. And to be fair to them, the first half they started the same. It was just the shock of the um, breaking the collarbone. That that's the there were twenty minute period where we couldn't play football. And you could sense all of them in their heads with the injury they were thinking of. Um, but in the second half, was, I think they didn't have pressure. They, they were 2 nil down, told them, go give it your best shot. And they, you were absolutely spot on. They, they started really, really well in the second half. And we got back to 2-2, which was fantastic. Um, but yeah, they didn't let themselves down. It was a loss, but it wasn't a loss that... It didn't feel like a proper loss. It felt... 
he felt we did what we could. Yeah, good. So um, that brings you on to this season, then the very, very start of this, <laughs> very start of this season, which seems like so long ago now. Um, oh yes. <laughs> so to, talk us through what, how's your season gone this year? So overall, it has gone amazingly well. Um, but if you look into the details, a lot of things have gone wrong for it to go this well. <laughs> so if I do A to Z and start from the beginning for this season. Um, so come to the end of the summer and the beginning of um, September this season, we've had a lot of the players um, leaving um, it, for multiple reasons. But the, one of the main reasons was um, we couldn't recruit players that they were the level they wanted to play with. Um, so pretty much an issue coming from coming from last season, basically, the season before last. Um, so the team, the conversations I had with the parents, again, it was if we could find such players at this age for girls' teams, we would, without any hesitation, we would look for them and we will get them and we will happily um, play with them. However, we cannot recruit players or we cannot poach players that play for other teams and tell them just to come and play for us because that's not that's not just ethical. So if other players want to play with us, brilliant, let's go. So majority of them decided and said, um, unfortunately, um, we, we will not continue for this season, which meant by the end of August or, or the week before September, I only had six players available um, for the team. Um, so we had to think quickly on our feet and try and recruit some players at least just to make up the numbers and we we got lucky in a way because we managed to end up with 11 girls for the first game of the season and it was it was it was decent um we played so the first before those girls left we had friendly matches against the teams as Tottenham etc and we did lose heavily as well in those games um we could tell the players that didn't want to be here they didn't play like it the parents as well didn't feel like they wanted to be here so it was more of just it's friendly games. Get 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 your um legs running. Get 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 legs going. Um, get your fitness back. Um, but in terms of when they've left, we started the season slowly. Um, we've lost the first couple of games, which was fine. Um, I think we played with eight or nine some matches against eleven players. But the idea was for us is a preseason. Our season will not start until the league starts, which was October. So by the time we got to October, we luckily managed to have eleven girls. And the idea was, whatever happens this season, we have these 11 girls, we'll go with it. The team meeting is encourage, start recruiting players as parents, try and get the word out. They don't have to be a certain ability, we just need numbers to help us through the season. And for some reason, that made everyone become even more of a team, uh, more of an encouraging team, more of a team that helps each other. And during the matches, you can really see the teamwork. You can see the effect it has on them. Because the numbers are so small as well, coaching has become so much more easier and better because you could focus and spend more time actually coaching rather than having, let's say, 18, 20 players. And as October came, we start, We won our first game, which was a cup game, which was brilliant. I think it was... It took a, That game, we had 11 players for that match. The next match, we had 11 players. I think it was December. This, no, not December. Actually, January this year. Yeah, it was January 2020. So, yeah. God, that's crazy. So the whole season, uh, that... we played with eight or nine players because there's always someone who's... Sorry? 
No, I was going to say that that's crazy. That is literally uh, my season last season. So yeah, <laughs> so you know my pain. <laughs> you feel it. <laughs> no, it's it's even though it was it was a struggle at times. The girls were competitive, and I remember actually giving them um, specific challenges in the match. So some matches it could be. So we're playing with the, against eleven today. It's eight of you. First twenty minutes, keep a clean sheet. Okay, that was your challenge. After the first 20 minutes, try and get an attempts on goal the next 20 minutes, etc. Because we're playing 40 minute halves to ask eight players to run the whole game. Um, it's 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 not it's not good for their health. So he was trying to compact. I can't even say that word. Trying to box the game into corners and make it breaking down into pieces. So defensive situations, attacking situations. So the girls have actually learned a lot playing with less players, especially tactically as well this season than we've ever done before because they've realized now, such as my midfielders, they can't run up and down. They've got to pick the moment. They've got to realize when to support the attack and when to think, oh, the attack might break down. I need to kind of protect the defense. So it's, it's been great. Tactically, they have developed so much. And then on the ball, they're becoming more and more confident and keeping the ball a lot better. Um, so there's a game I think we played October, I think I think we lost 9-1. I think we had nine players that match. Against the same team, um, we drew 3-3 when we had 10 players um, three months later. And they still played with 11. So that shows the difference in terms of how they're improving and how they are developing. And they're also realizing tactically when, when, when out of possession, we can't press opponents when they have three players more than us in front of their goal. We got to make sure the pitch is as small as possible and get, let them come to our own half, and then try and break 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 them down from there. So it's been it coming to this time of the year. It's been it's been incredible, and we've picked up so many so many injuries as well that didn't really help, unfortunately, of course. Because now and then every weekend when we look forward to a game, say we've got eleven finally. There's someone who's injured. And at this age, I'm expecting it, but not the, not when you're down to bare bones and your squad yeah. is only 11 players. You need, you need everyone, don't you? You really do. <laughs> Absolutely. So, no, so that's been tough. So the last game we played against the league leader is, is such a great game. We really did well. Um, but we were missing one player um, because they were injured. The one before that, I think we played with 10 as well. We were missing. Guess what? Someone was injured again. So no, it's it's. But having said that, it's been really impressive. And the team meeting we just had two weeks ago, it showed how everyone's together, including the parents. We spent a whole day of team bonding together, where we actually did a three and a half k run in the morning, oh, played wow. a table That's tennis competition. Yeah, yeah. It was nice. had a pizza for lunch, um, did a tactical talk and a strategy talk, and then ended up with a Q and A with the parents. And all positive, all great signs. And it's unfortunate that the coronavirus has happened now to us because the last thing we left on was we look forward to some tournaments and ending the season on a high. But that's yeah. a shame. That's not going to happen now. Yeah, unfortunately. So, and that brings us right up to date with where we are right now then. Um, so, looking ahead, because as you say, the likelihood of, I mean, obviously all the all the grassroots competitive football has been cancelled. Yes. Um, but the likelihood of maybe a training session before September or August or June, July time is probably yet to be determined, I guess. Um, what, where do you see next year or next season going for you? What, 
what are you looking forward to and and how do you think it will pan out? So next season for us, it depends on actually the numbers that we would have. Um, because at the moment, we do we have 12 girls in the team. And luckily, one also just had an operation who's going to come back by September, we're hoping for. Um, so that would be 13. Um, two of the girls, unfortunately, are going back to the States. So they're actually leaving. So then that takes back down to 11. So our goal is, and speaking with the parents, we will try and recruit as many players as we can. But everyone is together and everyone has confirmed that they will be back next season. Correct. So my challenge is now to find players for the team. And I've spoken with Harry as well on the recruitment side of the team and yeah. what we can do to bolster the numbers. It's not just our team as well. It's, it's the whole the whole teams at the club um, yeah. where we need numbers as well. So at the moment, the plan is we cannot wait to get a session going because at the moment I'm running out of challenges to give them on WhatsApp at the moment. <laughs> um, Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so no, it, it's they've got these challenges. So the two two thousand touch for mastery, the five k run, and they're actually doing a great job in completing. And at the moment, I'm stuck on what to do. But um, in terms of next season, where I'm excited, I'm looking forward to it. The parents are, um, everyone's on board. It's just that I'm on board as well. I want to be here. Josh has confirmed as well. My assistant coach, he will be here. It's right. just we need numbers because it would be unfair to the girls if we played another season always having less players than the other team. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a hell of a challenge, but I'm sure one you can you can rise to. Um, I wish we could go back to eight years ago where you were simple to recruit players. <laughs> I, I know, I know. That would be amazing. That would be amazing, yeah. but it's so, so difficult sometimes to recruit players. Um, yeah. Okay, last little, little question then. What, you know, what... What do you do? You see yourself doing uh, longer term in coaching? Do you, would you like to move move up uh, move up the ranks? Maybe work with a men's team, uh, work your way up to to professional football, or are you quite happy staying at grassroots level? Like what? Where do you see yourself going? To be fair, I've always been one of those coaches from a young age who actually never wanted to become a professional coach. And the simple reason is I think the grassroots sports are left behind um, because everyone, all the upcoming coaches, loads of coaches, straight away want to get to professional coaching and they always develop into that, which there's nothing wrong with it. It's absolutely fantastic. But I think the grassroots needs a lot of help as well. It needs a lot more coaches. As you know, within our coaching, within our club, we need coaches all the time throughout the year. And it's really hard to find coaches. So my actual... Obsession has always been coaching grassroots and developing players. From the days I worked at Benfica, I realized I enjoy coaching younger players. Um, as much, to be honest, I do enjoy coaching the adults as well. But for some reason, I like to see the development side of um, going through the years. So from the age of 8 to 16, sometimes it's brilliant seeing how someone has come a long way. I would love to do that with a 20-year-old who can get to 40. <laughs> but it's tough for got work life their, their commitment is not bad in terms of if i had a committed adult grassroots team i definitely would coach it um yeah my long-term goal and my short-term goal are both say in the grassroots and keep coaching um i don't have a goal in becoming a professional coach anytime soon okay well fair enough well thank you very much mo for sharing that with us and and, and for sharing your amazing coaching journey 
um, that's brought you to obviously where you are now, right at Kinja. Um, how can just to sort of just to conclude all this, how can someone um, listening in get in, in touch with the club and maybe follow yourself on social media? So first of all, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Um, I've never talked about myself this much before. <laughs> no, it's been brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually found out a lot about myself, about myself, so that was good for me as well. So thank you. No problem. Um, in terms of getting in touch with the club, I would say the website is best, and the social networks in terms of Facebook, even though I don't have Facebook, but I'm sure if you Google Kinja Football Club, you'll find it on Facebook and Twitter, and on the website there's the joining instructions and how you could come and join. Um, there's also Instagram where my social activity starts and ends. Um, I have my own Instagram. <laughs> If anyone wants to follow me, it's mjama10. Um, I do use Twitter. I finally found out my username. And that's <laughs> m underscore jama number 10. Um, you'll be disappointed to find out that I don't tweet much, but you're more than welcome to give a follow. <laughs> there we go. We're, um, I, I mean, we found you. We found your account. Yes. That's, that's, that's our claim to fame. We, we've dug it out. <laughs> <laughs> I exist. That's, that's all we need to know. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. And uh, yeah, as Mo says, if anyone listening in is um, has either got a son or daughter that wants to play football or is a player themselves and wants to play football, they say just Google Kinja Football Club and it will be the site. Uh, it's usually the first site up. There's there's not usually many other sites that, that come up when you put in Kinja, K-I-N-J-A, um, into, into Google. It's normally the first one. And um, likewise, as Mo said, if you're a coach as well, that, that'd be great to hear from you. I'm sure the club would, would appreciate hearing from you as well. Um, so, Mo, um, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I really do appreciate you giving up your time and telling us your story. As ever, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and take care of yourself, Mo. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself, Danny. Thank you. And um, until next time, hopefully we'll be back with another coaching uh, podcast soon. I'm sure Mo will be on another one very, very soon anyway. Um, but until next time, as I say, stay safe with the coronavirus and all that. Um, take care of your loved ones and uh, see you soon.